No turning back. I'm muted, right? <laughs> now that we're live, I'm appropriate.
Well, good morning, friends. Good morning, good morning, and thank you, Jane, for that beautiful uh, prelude this morning. Join with me as uh, we call, hear the, uh, the word, a call to worship this morning, taken from Psalm 107. Uh, I will lead and invite you to join together in the response. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He led them by a straight way. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. For he satisfies the thirst. Amen and amen. At, that, at this time, I invite you to stand as we sing together, Praise My Soul, the King of Heavens, number 571. Let's sing. Amen. And you may be seated. 
Well, good morning. Good morning again, friends. Celebration. Uh, my name is Pastor JB, and uh, I serve, if you don't know, I've been here for a little over a year now, uh, but I've been serving the Fusion Congregation uh, that'll be meeting right after just across the hall. And uh, I was looking at kind of my calendar, and it, it, it's been a while since I've been able to, to lead uh, you all in worship, and it is a joy and a treat uh, to be here this morning. Um, there's something beautiful about this system of Hardawake that, uh, that I love love, and I hope you do as well. Amen? Amen. Now I said amen. Now you got to respond amen, right? Uh, but it is a good thing. Welcome to those who are joining with us here in person, but also those who are joining online. Just a few a little announcements. Uh, we will be having a fellowship time after the service in the library, and uh, so I'm going to try to hang around a little bit to say hi, but i gotta, I got to head over to Fusion uh, shortly after that fellowship time begins. Obviously, Pastor Bill is not here. He made the announcement last week uh, that him and Mary Lynn are in North Carolina, and so we just pray a blessing upon their time with family, uh, also enjoying the beauty of God's creation. Uh, I know Pastor Bill mentioned this uh, last week, but this uh, next Sunday, uh, Reverend Dr. Wayne Brower will be preaching here. And many of you know uh, Dr. Brower, who served Hardawake as pastor uh, from 94 to 2005. Now he's an adjunct professor at Hope College and Western Theological Seminary. Uh, a little tidbit. Uh, Dr. Brower actually taught me at Western Theological Seminary uh, my, let's see, uh, my, my, my credo, my senior final credo paper. He taught that course, as well as uh, the, my course on the confessions, the Reformed confessions, which, by the way, uh, your first year at Western, you go to a, a monastery and kind of just spend time in quiet and prayer, learning your classmates. Your second year, you go on a cultural immersion trip, so to some other place in the world, very exciting. Your senior year, your J-term, are two intensives, right? Like the credos and church polity. And I was like not looking forward to that, but Dr. Brower made that class exciting, engaging for me. And so I know you're going to enjoy his time here. I didn't mean to share all that, but there you go. You got a little bit of extra uh, from me. Also, just notice on the slides, uh, Mika's lunch, there's a presentation happening at Watershed. Uh, you received an email with a video kind of explaining Mika's lunch, looking ahead. We're going to do another fundraiser dinner in September, and someone from Mika's lunch is, is sharing testimony at Watershed, so you can tune into that uh, after the service on the live stream as well. Uh, also, some things happening. Uh, women's ministry event this Wednesday, beach morning. And so check out that opportunity to spend some time with some other ladies. And then in the evening, uh, feel free to come back. Uh, with Gems, cadets, but I'm sure we'd welcome anyone to join for some s'mores and uh, maybe the capture the flag part. Maybe that's not your, your, uh, your thing. Um, but join together. Lots of things coming up as the school year approaches and summer concludes. Uh, but at this point, um, we have a little highlight video. Um, this past G July, as every J July, Summer Serve Week took place. And so enjoy this little one-minute highlight video of what our junior hires experienced this past summer.
what a week every summer it is. And I know many here, I'm guessing, helped volunteer, serve some breakfasts, so thank you for making that week possible as well. Now at this time, let's, let's hear and respond together. Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 25. I will open with the question. Together we'll respond with the answer on the Trinity. Since there is only one divine being, why do you speak of three? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The answer, because that is how God has revealed himself in his word. These three distinct persons are one true eternal God. Amen. Join with me in a word of prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you on this Sunday morning, the Lord's Day. And Lord, we hear from the psalmist, Psalm 42, these words, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. O oh, great and gracious, holy God, we thank you for these words which give, give expression to the human heart. We praise you, God, this morning for who you are, the creator of this world, our redeemer, our savior, the sustainer of all things. Lord, you are indeed worthy of our praise. And so we continue to express that to you, Lord, as we come to you in prayer. And yet, Lord, as you are deserving of all of our worship and praise, Lord, we confess that so often, Lord God, in our prosperity and our comfort, Lord, we can grow complacent. Lord, we begin to believe that the lie that, that we are the ones who create, redeem, and sustain our worlds, this message that our world gives us. We foolishly believe, Lord, foolishly that, that we don't need you. 
It's only, Lord, when trouble comes, when, as the psalmist says, the, the, our tears become our food, when, when others in our lives begin to question your presence and power, Lord, it's only then, so often, when we are faced with our own limitations, that our hearts begin to long and thirst for you because we recognize how deeply, deeply we need you. Lord, as we confess these failures, this, this, this brokenness, this part of our human broken nature, Lord, we thank you for the grace of the gospel, the grace of Jesus Christ. That, Lord Jesus, you, you stepped down from heaven. You took on human flesh. You, you entered into the brokenness of this world to redeem us, to save us, to rescue us. We thank you for the work of the cross, your sacrifice, which bridged the gap from our, between us and our broke, that our brokenness caused between us and you. We pray, God, that you would meet us here this morning in our longing, in our pain. Draw us close, Lord. As our hearts long for you, for some of us, Lord, our hearts are broken because of grief and loss. And Lord, you meet us in that space, and we thank you for that. Lord, remind us of, of your grace and your goodness. Lord, as our, our, our hearts ache from, from those that we miss, Lord, may, may you fill that space with your love. For others, Lord, in our midst who are, who are struggling with various health issues or, or walking that long journey of cancer, Lord, we pray that you'd meet us there in that time as well to bring healing not only, Lord, to the body we pray and we believe that you can do miracles, but Lord, we pray that you'd bring healing to our hearts and our souls as well. For Lord, when we feel abandoned, Lord, may you come to us in real and powerful ways. Your word tells us that you are close to the brokenhearted. We claim that promise, Lord, this morning. But Lord, also for us, as, as some of us, Lord, we're experiencing the joys of, of summer in West Michigan and the beauty that this, this area brings, and, and Lord, the joy of family and friends, and Lord, in our, in our enjoyment, in, in the pleasures of life, Lord, we pray that we would not forget. And Lord, that you would continue to draw our hearts and create a longing within us to pant after you as a deer longs and thirsts for streams of water. Lord, may we long for the streams of living water that, Lord, only you can provide. We pray also, Lord, for the ministries of our church as, as the fall and the, the new school year approaches and so many different ministries like Community Night ramp up, Lord. May, may you prompt our hearts where we can serve you and to, to give of our time and our efforts, Lord, in the ways that you've gifted us. Lord, may we be willing to lay down our lives for others in our midst. Lord, we pray for our shared mission across this campus. Lord, for worship that will be taking place in the anchor and in the great room and right here. Lord, we thank you that, that we are one church called to serve the lakeshore. Lord, may you continue to grow us. And Lord, as we think about our world and we think about our nation, and Lord, there's so much uncertainty in our world. Lord, we come before you. And we ask you, almighty God, to, to bring about your kingdom, your justice, and your peace. And Lord, may we as your church, your representatives here on earth, Lord, may we participate with your spirit's work 
among us and in us and through us so that, Lord, we would grow deeper in our love for Jesus Christ. And as we grow in that love, that your spirit would continue to mold and shape us more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Savior. And now, Lord, at this time, we join in one voice, speaking and praying the prayer that you taught us to prayer, saying together, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Well, once again, good morning, Celebration family. It is a pleasure to be with you this morning. Um, it is, again, just a, this beautiful reminder of, of this, this shared mission and vision that we get to share the pulpit together. And, and I know Fusion has enjoyed Pastor Bill, having Pastor Bill there, and so uh, hopefully this is a, a net positive, okay, yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're nearing the end of a summer series that we've been calling um, Everyday Wisdom. We just have a few more weeks to go. The last couple of weeks, we've kind of stepped away from the book of Proverbs and, and across campus studied the book of Ecclesiastes and the book of Job, uh, two important voices in this conversation around wisdom. Because Ecclesiastes and Job kind of offer some of the exceptions to the rules that, that in this broken world, things don't always go the way we expect. And that's such an important and real and honest voice. And I'm so glad that we spent a couple weeks there. But today, we return to the the wisdom of the Proverbs. Uh, this week we're going to be st starting kind of looking at um, how the Bible understands and talks about the heart. Uh, we're going to introduce this biblical word today and then talk about the desires of the heart and, and how sometimes those are helpful, but sometimes those can be deceitful as well. At the end of our series, we're going to wrap up kind of continuing to talk about the heart, talking about temptations and emotions and how they serve us in wisdom. Uh, but again, with Proverbs, if, if, if we've been talking about this series, the book of Proverbs is not really a linear book. Uh, right? It's not just kind of written in a straight line. It's, it's more helpful, I think, to think of it as this beautiful tapestry where these words of wisdom are kind of woven together to create this beautiful book. And so because of, it's not this linear work, we're going to be jumping around a little bit. And so if you have a Bible with you or if maybe you have a Bible uh, on your phone, a digital Bible, but there's something about holding a, a real book of the Bible, uh, turn, open, open to Proverbs. We're going to be starting in chapter 11 um, and then we'll be jumping ahead very quickly to chapter 19. And then throughout our time, we're just going to be jumping around to different proverbs that offer different insights on wisdom speaking about the desires of the heart. It's our tradition, kind of our custom and fusion as we hear the word of God that we stand if you're willing and if you're able. And so I just invite you, if you're willing, if you're able to stand as we read God's word together. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 6 and then 19 verses 2 and 3. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. 
Now turn to Proverbs 19, verses 2 and 3. Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Join me in a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this wisdom that you so generously give to us to help guide us in, in how to live in ways that, that lead to life. God, we pray once again that your spirit would, would open your word to us, that we would hear from you this morning. And in hearing from you, we would, be, we would be comforted, Lord, where we need comfort. But Lord, we'd also be challenged where we need to hear a word of challenge by your spirit. Speak to us, form us, and shape us, we pray. In the power and the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and God's people say together, amen, amen. There's some mantras uh, of, of our current world. Um, tell me if these sound familiar. Follow your heart. Have you heard that? Um, the heart wants what it wants. If it feels good, do it. Now, these kind of have become the mantra of our, of our modern world, uh, and, and, and when I hear these kind of mantras, follow your heart, uh, I think about my kids, and I think about if they just simply followed their heart's desires, and if we as parents just gave to them exactly what they wanted, uh, you have a little representation uh, uh, from the pictures on the screen. For my daughter, Emmy, who just turned nine this summer, for her, if, if, if she were to follow her heart, it would lead her straight to a house full of dogs. All right? My daughter, nine-year-old, she loves puppies more than I think she loves her mom and dad. Okay? That's a little hurtful, but I think it might be true. You can see in those pictures, uh, she just loves puppies. In fact, uh, her schoolwork, when she signs her name, she will draw a little picture of a puppy on every homework assignment that she takes home, right? We actually go downtown Holland, uh, the, the Thursday night street performers, which is a wonderful time to, uh, just one of these wonderful things about the town of Holland. But we don't go to watch the performers, as wonderful and as incredible as they are. We actually go downtown to find other people's dogs and puppies so that my kids can pet them. She loves puppies more than anything. For Bryson on the left there, he's just turned five this summer. That kid is obsessed with candy, okay? If I, if I had a nickel for every time he asked me a day for a piece of candy, I would be a wealthy man. Uh, that's him with a ring pop. Just yesterday, I'm, prepare, I'm thinking about this sermon. We're driving back and forth and, and he's like, Daddy, can I, have, can I have some candy, right? Can I have some candy? And then he tries this kind of like, I'm going to look cute kind of thing, like, can I have some candy? I'm like, try that with someone else. That's not going to work with me, right? Uh, actually, we're driving back home from picking up Emmy from a birthday party. He continues to ask me for candy, and I said, maybe. It's like, maybe? Maybe? Emmy, what does maybe mean, right? So he's like all about candy. Now, now I think about the kids and kind of our kids following those desires. Maybe that's kind of an unfair, easy target. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of this foolishness. Kids who have these desires that begin to control them. And then all of a sudden I start looking at my own life, right? And my own desires. 
I remember my own obsessions. And for me, on the left there, my sports obsessions. Any other sports fans? I know there's a couple here. Uh, Packers fan, I know. Uh, but I obsess about it. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks were in the playoffs this summer. And I just I was going through my camera roll and how many pictures I've taken with my kids wearing, like I'm indoctrinating them to be Packers fans and Bucks fans. Like it's probably not right. But, but like the Bucks were in the playoffs. I couldn't even watch the game because I'm so anxious. So I, I'm like, ah, I'm just not even going to watch and I'll just, I'll just bear with it for the last five minutes of the game because I'm so anxious about these sports teams that at the end of the day have, have really no bearing on my, my, my life. Or there's a picture on the right. Yvonne and I had the opportunity to, to go up north, uh, Leelanau Peninsula. And so that's the North Beach, just north of Leland. I'm sure some of you have been there. By the way, West Michigan has some gems. I know you know this, but it is just a beautiful area. And here I am walking barefoot because I'm not prepared on all of these sharp stones. My feet were killing me for like an hour later because we were looking for the elusive Leland Blue. Do you know what this is? No, I get in blank stares. So it's kind of like the Petoskey Stone, like people like comb the beaches, the Leland Blue, which are these, these stones formed by the ore, iron ore process or something like that. And these, these bright blue, and I just, every stone I looked at looked blue to me. So I have a whole bag of rocks and I don't think any of them are Leland Blues, but I was obsessed with finding this Leland Blue. And I went to a store and I, and I tried Bryson's strategy and I said, can I have a Leland Blue? And no, that didn't work with them either. Anyway, so these obsessions, these desires of the heart, we, we hear this kind of language in our world and we think it's just our kids that are foolish that get obsessed with, with desires of the heart, but then all of a sudden we recognize that desire and this mantra of our culture and our world has gotten into our souls because it's part of the air that we breathe. Every single commercial is feeding this life. Like, yeah, follow your heart. You need this. You need this car. You need these clothes. You need this cologne, right? It, all of these messages become part of the air that we breathe. And we have our own personal obsessions and longings that even to the point that we're willing to justify satisfying those desires, whether, whether or not they're good for us or not. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about these desires of the heart. The Bible has something different to say. And the Bible gives us this wisdom about the desires of the heart. Let's begin by looking at this language of the heart and specifically looking at a biblical understanding of the heart. The heart carries important meaning in the scriptures. It's used well over 600 times in the Old Testament. In most cases, it's not referring to the internal organ in our body that pumps blood throughout our cardiovascular system. Just like the English language, the heart has a much broader meaning even in modern English, we talk about the heart as kind of this word picture for emotions and desires. But in the Hebrew uh, scriptures, it's even a deeper and more broader meaning. When we think about the heart, the Hebrew word for heart is, is leb or lev or labab or levav. This word has a much broader meaning than simply this physical organ. It stems because the ancient, the ancient understanding of human anatomy was limited. Right? So they didn't know all the, how each of these organs in our body functioned. They didn't, there was a lack of understanding around the human brain. And so in the ancient world, it was believed that the heart was the center of the human person. It was believed uh, that the, the heart controlled, was like the control center of human emotions and feelings as well as, as the will and, and even the intellect. 
right? So that the functions of the brain were actually believed to be seated in the heart. And again, much of that, that understanding has carried into modern language when we say, like, I love my wife with all my heart, right? We know that the heart doesn't control our, our emotions or our feelings, but that has carried over today. Now, fast forward almost a, a millennia into the Greek world, the ancient Greek world, they added this new category, the mind, Right? And so there was this additional understanding that there was this other thing called the mind and given language to that. And you see that reflected when Jesus Christ uh, quotes the Shema from Deuteronomy 6. Uh, in the Old Testament, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Jesus adds mind, which is an appropriate addition because we needed more language to fully capture the heart and the soul and all of ourselves. And Paul's going to add some additional language that, that we'll touch on in just a little bit. But let's talk more specifically about the desires of the heart. Now I mentioned earlier we're going to continue this study of the heart for a few weeks. But this morning we're primarily focusing on the desires of the heart. Now I think it's safe to say that we all understand that sometimes our heart desires what's in step with God's will. Right? Like sometimes our heart, our heart desires more intimacy with God. And it's like, yeah, that is of God. That is of the Spirit. Or, or we long to do what is right, what brings honor to God. Or we desire what's best for those we love. Sometimes our desires are in step with God's will. Amen? But oftentimes we have to recognize that that's, that's not the case. Oftentimes, our, our hearts desire for things that are not in our best interests. Jeremiah says in chapter, 11, or chapter 17, verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Right? Jeremiah was, was a prophet during the time of exile. He understood because he witnessed how the human heart can lead the people of God astray. He understood that our current modern moral framework to just follow your heart is deeply flawed. That, that this proposition to just follow your heart wherever it will take you is a dangerous proposition. And the Proverbs speak into this reality as well. Let's talk about disordered desires. You see, our modern paradigm that promotes following our heart, the heart wants what it wants. If it feels good, do it. To deny our heart in our modern framework, in the modern paradigm, to deny our heart or to deny what the heart desires in our modern understanding sounds oppressive, right? To, to secular modern audiences, this sounds just oppressive. Like, why would I deny what I long for within my heart, the only exception really I think is probably diet and exercising, right, in our modern context. Like, okay, we can sacrifice, we can resist eating that food, or we can, we can get up early to do this exercise. That's acceptable in our modern context. But otherwise, we resist or, or are suspect of any authority or institution that tells us to do otherwise. And so like right now in our modern culture, there's a lot of suspicion for institutions like the church, Right, who say, no, 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 not all of our desires are of God. We, we shouldn't follow our desires and wherever they go. Like, so there's suspicion of the institution of the church or even in government or government agencies. Like, don't tell me what to do, right? There's this suspicion because my heart must be the highest moral uh, guideline, like the guider or the compass, right? The highest moral compass. But the Proverbs tell us something different. The Proverbs have a different take on, on how well our heart works as a moral compass. Proverbs 
Chapter 11, verse 6, the verse we just read, says this, the righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. Notice two things that the proverb is saying. First, that our desires here are not assumed to be naturally good. Desires in keeping with Jeremiah can be deceptive or evil, even evil. Secondly, uh, desires do not lead to freedom or deliverance according to the Proverbs. That's the other narrative in our culture that, that true freedom is just doing whatever I want. But righteousness, the proverb says, offers true freedom, while evil desires are the exact opposite of freedom, right? Evil desires are a trap that entangle and ensnare. In fact, Paul will later on say that we you can become a slave to sin. It's not freedom. Proverbs 19, verses 2 and 3 on the screen. Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. Again, here Proverbs offers further insight. Desire without knowledge, desire without discernment, wisdom, or discretion is not good. When we indiscriminately follow our desires, it leads to some dangerous places. Again, we understand this, right? But the application is so much broader than just things like diet or exercise, right? Consider desires for pleasure or, or pursuit for what we think will make us happy here in this moment. It has led so many down a disastrous path. That kind of thinking lacks perspective, it lacks wisdom, it leads to ruin, it rages against the Lord, right? As the, to borrow the Proverbs language. The Apostle Paul expands on, on this, let, this language in his letters to the early churches. Again, remember, Paul is writing in a different context and language uh, from, from Proverbs, which is Hebrew. He's writing in Greek almost a millennia later. Paul uses language of the mind, but also leans into this language of the flesh, now, it's important to recognize here this word flesh in the, in the Greek is sarx. It has a variety of different meanings. It can mean just your physical body. It can mean, it can refer to humanity or even ethnicity. Uh, but here it also can refer to uh, our sinful nature or our sinful passions. And here's where flesh connects with evil desires in the Proverbs. This is the connection point. Um, we've been referring to disordered desires. Paul in Galatians 5 verses 16 and 17 says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. There's some wisdom there, right? It seems pretty clear from the wisdom of the Proverbs, from the Apostle Paul, and from just an honest look at the human experience that our desires are not always a good and certainly not a helpful moral compass or highest authority that we should use to guide our decisions as individuals or as a society. Amen? Amen. Now let's look at some of the common disordered desires. Here's where, and I don't have his book. I, I meant to have his book, but we've been using Tim Keller's daily devotional on wisdom. Here's where it becomes incredibly helpful. These themes, we're going to look at common disordered desires. These themes, these verses were taken straight from his reading. And if you want the reference, you want to maybe read these as your devotional this week, and you have the book, April 6 through 9 is where you can find those. 
But common disordered desires, here's where we see wisdom of the Proverbs as it spans time and context because we quickly consider different disordered desires that trap and ensnare us. What we recognize is these desires continue to be an issue for us today. And so as we consider four different common disordered desires, I just invite you to consider which of these maybe have a hold of your own heart. Let's talk about the first one, approval. Approval, first disordered desire. This one for me personally hits pretty close to home. It's this desire for approval. Proverbs 29 verse 25 says this, the fear of man will prove to be a snare but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. For many of the heart longs, for many of the heart longs for approval of others, that's a common desire, but, and, and most long for it at some level, but for some, this becomes the driving desire of our lives. It's where identity is drawn from. And, and in, that, in, that, in that instance, then the greatest fear is, is rejection or even disappointing others. And if you think about this in our modern world, like, like social media has only exaggerated this exponentially with the innovation of the like button. So now all of a sudden we post something on social media and we have this instant real-time data points feedback loop of how many people like the thing that I posted. And now I'm, I, I, I just have, I can never get away from approval because I post this thing. And it's like, oh, these Leland Stones. Like, how many people liked it? How many people didn't like it? Why didn't so many people? Why didn't anyone comment on it? Do you see how it just ex- exasperates this disordered desire for approval? The Proverbs pra- frames this as the fear of man. And we can quickly see the implication. It becomes a snare that paralyzes us. If we have a greater fear of man than appropriate fear of the Lord, then this fear of man paralyzes us from appropriately calling people out or speaking truth when it's needed. We do that in love. But sometimes love commands that we, we say something that might be a hard truth for someone that we love to hear. And this desire, this disordered desire for approval becomes a barrier from being able to speak truth. Approval. The second common disordered desire. Again, I think it's particularly convicting for us today in the United States. Comfort. The desire for comfort. Proverbs 20 verse 13 says, Do not love sleep or you will grow poor. Stay awake and you will have food to spare. Proverbs 21 verse 17 says this, Whoever loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. Again, this, this desire for comfort. In our modern context, I think comfort, pleasure, and security, I mean, those are primary values in our modern culture. Again, most, most folks, we, we, you know, it's common. We long for a comfortable life, but when that desire becomes our primary drive, it becomes a trap for us. Here, desire to remain comfortable keeps us distant and detached. So when we are so obsessed with remaining comfortable, it, 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 it makes us keep others at arm's length, particularly those who are going through a difficult season because for me to walk with you in your suffering, oh boy, that just makes me feel uncomfortable. Can we just have dinner and talk about things like sports or surface things, right? When we are obsessed with, with comfort, we keep people at arm length because we don't want to experience or deal with their struggles. This becomes a danger and a trap for us as followers of Jesus. The Proverbs suggest that the leisure and love of pleasure will lead to poverty, which is, which is a good word for hard work and commitment. But what's, what's unique in our context 
is it's most often those of us with, with some wealth and some level of margin in our budget and our time that, that we are the ones in our context and our culture who are able to indulge in leisure and extravagant pleasures. And so there's a warning for us, even if we are hardworking, right? Again, the warning around wine or other chemical dependencies remains true and obvious today. But this connection to olive oil actually has something to do with beauty. Because in the ancient world, olive oil was used to make the skin look fresh and young. So it's a word on on cosmetic beauty, right? So when it comes to being obsessed with comfort or leisure or even beauty and our appearances, it causes us to lose focus. We become obsessed with the wrong thing and we don't have a kingdom perspective on what truly matters, comfort. The third disordered desire, again, particularly relevant, um, particularly relevant in kind of political, right, environments, it's the desire for power. The desire for power. Proverbs 11 verse 16 says this, a kind-hearted woman gains honor, but ruthless men gain only wealth. The wise prevail through great power and those who have knowledge muster their strength. Surely you need guidance to wage war and victory is won through many advisors. Here again is a warning around the desire or the thirst for power. Now something we are all grateful for is to live in a democracy. Uh, But it creates this unique opportunity where each of us have a voice in the governing bodies that have power and authority over us, right? And not only that, but each of us actually have the, the opportunity to run for political power. And in recent years, it seems that our politics has increasingly become polarized, Polarized, polarized. Not only that, but dialogue has deteriorated and character has been deemed optional. In politics, it's, it's, a, it's a win at all costs has become the, the mantra which allows us, if we're winning at all costs, it allows us to, to justify all kinds of horrendous behaviors from grown adults. Because if the other side is the enemy, then it justifi- we can justify anything to keep them out of power. The proverb speaks against this when contrasting the kind-hearted woman, right, who receives honor and, 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 and where, where a ruthless man can only gain wealth. You can gain wealth, but you'll never get honor and respect if you're ruthless instead of kind-hearted. The lust for power has led many astray. Social media platforms, again, has created this illusion that we have more influence than we actually do, more power than we actually do, and it's fed this thirst in many today to seek after that power, that influence. In fact, many kids right now, you ask them what they want to be when they grow up, they say, I want to be an influencer. Like, that's a career path. I want want to influence people. Proverbs offers a relevant and important warning toward disordered desires and power is the third one we're going to talk about. Finally, the fourth disordered desire. And I think this is one that that really the last two years have really exposed, starting with the COVID pandemic. It's this thirst, it's this long, and this desire for control. Proverbs 27 verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. There's truth in that word, Right? We, we don't know what tomorrow holds. But again, like, like most of us, we, we like to be in control. 
And again, we live in, in, a, in a wonderful place where we, we have this prosperity and we have this, this level of, of wealth and well-being and comfort. And when life is going smoothly, we, we enjoy this illusion of control and personal autonomy in our world, right? Like, oh, I can kind of coordinate things to make sure things go away. Oh, I can save some money. Right? We have this idea that we have some level of control, but when something comes into our lives and rocks our world completely, that fantasy crumbles before us, and we realize that we are not in control. And when that moment happens, anxiety and fear and desperation to regain some sense of control comes our way. Now, most of the time, before 2020, that always happened like individually, right? Like this family, our family would be rocked by tragedy or we, our family, we'd lose a job or we'd be facing unemployment. It'd be happening kind of on these small scale individual levels. But 2020 hits the COVID pandemic and the whole world shuts down and all of us get sent into this tailspin because we realize how little control we actually have. And so the response to that is to try to regain control. And we regain control by obsessing over the news and trying to get more information because if we know what's going on, then maybe we can kind of predict what's going to happen. Or we do this research or, or we play the blame game because if I can blame someone for what's happening, then at least I know who to blame and who to attack. And, or, or even things, it goes to the point of conspiracy theories, all in these attempts to explain and understand so that we can fix and regain some sense of control. And even today, two years later, we look at our world and there's wars raging in our world. There's, there seems to be this instability in our world, in our nature, and in our nation. And it leads to this, our greatest fear when we're desiring control, which is uncertainty or instability. To not know what's coming, to not know how to fix it or how to make things better, that is terrifying. Four common disordered desires. Approval, comfort, power, control. Take a moment this, this morning and just consider which of these have a hold of your heart. Which of these desires do you, do you place at a, at a place that's, that's of too great of importance? The need to, to gain approval of others, the, the need to remain comfortable and secure, power, control, just consider that. Maybe even have that conversation as a family. Which of these is the Spirit convicting and speaking into our lives? As you ponder that, some good news. We like good news, amen? <laughs> Here's the good news. The gospel offers us an alternative narrative, an alternative worldview. We, do not, we don't need to live just by the cravings and desires of our heart. Our heart is not the ultimate purveyor of truth in this world, and it's certainly not the ultimate director of wisdom. We see it in our kids and their single-mindedness, obsession with things like puppies or candy or whatever it is for your kids or grandkids. Or you see it in ourselves. For me, my obsession with, with, with sports or finding a Leland blue to the point that I'm tearing up the bottoms of my feet walking on these sharp rocks. Scripture refers to this not as freedom, but as being a slave to sin. And Paul gives us, the Apostle Paul gives us an alternative, a life guided by the Spirit. Don't follow your heart. Follow the Spirit of God. Apostle Paul writes this, Galatians 5, verse 13 and 14. 
You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on to contrast the acts of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, writing this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What Paul is doing is leaning into the gospel witness of Jesus Christ that the sinful nature, the sinful passions of the flesh have been crucified with Jesus Christ so that we can live in the freedom by the Spirit, right? Ultimately, this is living by the Spirit. It looks like the example of Jesus Christ. The flesh desires what is selfish, what is self-serving, what is self-preserving. How did Jesus Christ live on this earth? He left heaven. He stepped into the brokenness and he gave of his own life. It is a life that is self-giving. It is a, a life of love. It is a life of grace. Our Lord Jesus, his flesh did not desire to die on the cross, right? He prayed in the garden, is there another way? But because of his love, his love, the love he had for you and for me compelled him to walk a different road than human flesh would have desired. And friends, that is freedom. That is freedom. When our heart is craving what is not good for us, but we say, No, the wisdom of God by the power of the Holy Spirit is calling me to walk this path, this path that is the way of Jesus Christ. That, my friends, is true freedom. And may we, as God's people, walk in this way of Jesus, this way of freedom. And let's pray and ask God's help in this. Will you join me? Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word God, we thank you for how your word continues to speak into the world in which we live. That what our world calls wisdom, Lord, you say, no, 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 this is true wisdom. You tell us that to to follow the desires of our heart, no, that's not freedom, That that is slavery. Instead, your word says, let me show you another way. And ultimately, Lord, you showed us that way in the life, the ministry, the teaching, the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, may we meditate on the gospel testimonies of our Lord Jesus. May we meditate on your word so that we would be formed not by the desires and the longings of our heart, which so often lead us in treacherous paths, but Lord, that we would follow the leading and the guiding of your spirit, which leads to life, both now and forevermore. So come, Lord Jesus, we pray, in the powerful name of our Lord and our Savior, amen and amen. Let's join together and sing a song of response. We praise you, O God. Let's sing.
Just a reminder to join together for a time of fellowship in the library for some refreshments, some goodies, and some coffee uh, to be the people of God together uh, doing life as one. But as you go from here, receive uh, God's blessing upon you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father Almighty, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.